listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Even though you'd never know it here in the Pacific Northwest lately, it is actually winter, which means we're really close to February. And February's got me thinking about two things. One, my birthday, and also the birthday of a friend of mine named Elaine. Elaine and I knew each other for just over 10 years. She was a longtime volunteer here at the Dougie Center, and she worked with me in a group for teens who had experienced the death of a parent or a caregiver or a sibling. Elaine died back in November of 2015, and I always think about her, well, I think about her all the time, but I really think about her in February because her birthday was just two days after mine. Elaine and I shared a lot. So we shared a birthday month. Our hair was really similar. Our uh, habit of talking a lot, overthinking a lot, maybe being a bit anxious. We had all that in common too. And sometimes the teens in our group would get us confused. And Elaine was one of those friends, maybe you have some of these folks in your life, where we were really close, but we didn't see each other that much. Like we saw each other every other week at the Dougie Center, and we hung out once in a while in our real, quote unquote, real lives. We went camping once or twice. We met up for dinner once or twice, but we really just didn't spend that much time together. But we were still really close. And, and maybe you can relate, maybe you have a work colleague, or if you have children, somebody you know through your kids' activities, or just someone who's part of your life in some way, but not in that like physical togetherness way. And then when that person dies, the grief can feel weird. Like I'm grieving for this person who's not part of my day-to-day life, but we connected in such a way that they knew me maybe more than some of the people I do spend my day-to-day time with. And that's kind of the nature of volunteers at the Dougie Center. We come together for two hours every other week. We check in with one another. We sometimes share things with each other that we may not be sharing that openly with other people in our lives because people at the Dougie Center are trained to listen and listen without offering advice or trying to fix it, which can sometimes be hard to find in our day-to-day lives. So why am I telling you all about Elaine? Well, one, because she's on my mind a lot with our birthday month coming up but also because one of the practices that Elaine turned to throughout her life, but particularly when she was dealing with her cancer diagnosis, was the practice of yoga. She went regularly to class. She used it as a way to try to feel more comfortable in her body, but also to process all of the emotions that came with her diagnosis and her illness. And I'm thinking about her because today's guest is Paul Denniston, who is the creator of Grief Yoga. And he's taught this specific practice to over 5,000 therapists and counselors and healthcare professionals around the world, and he currently teaches workshops around the U.S. Paul's trained in a variety of yoga lineages, and his unique breath, sound, and movement practice is really grounded in these teachings. In our conversation, Paul and I talk about how family and religious culture and gender expectations really boxed him in in a particular way of expressing grief. 
which in reality was about not expressing it at all. So after years of shoving grief and all the emotions that come with grief down and aside, Paul realized he needed something different. Through breath, movement, sound, and dance, Paul began to shake these emotions loose and to find ways to acknowledge and reckon with whatever was coming up for him around grief. Paul and I also had the chance to talk about the ways in which his hard-won sobriety was and continues to be foundational to his self-awareness and growth. Paul's currently touring and teaching with David Kessler, who was a guest on a recent Grief Out Loud episode. So if you missed that one, please go back and listen to it as well as their ways of approaching grief really overlap and mesh well together. Paul, thank you so much for being part of Grief Out Loud today. I'm, I'm so excited for our conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. Can you give us a quick overview of grief yoga and how, how you define that? Sure. So grief yoga is a practice that blends together yoga, movement, breath, and sound to help you to take whatever the struggle and the pain is that lives within the mind and the body and how to express it and transform it to help connect to more grace, more gratitude, and more love. So it's a, it's a kind of like, I would say, a moving meditation that, that honors pain and struggle, but it's really about moving it through to help, to help you to open. And what inspired you to start processing grief in this way? Well, I, I wasn't really taught how to, to grieve. I, I'm originally from Texas, and uh, I, I grew up in a, a very religious background. Whenever, as a child, I felt sad, I was taught that those were ungodly emotions or, you know, angry, that that, that was considered a lack of faith. And so what I was told to do was that it was important to either pray those emotions away or to avoid those emotions and just come into a place of action and doing, or to just isolate. Nobody wants to see that part of who you are. So I chose the, the last one, and uh, I would um, isolate and hide, and I, I, I wouldn't want anybody to see my sadness. But I would also, as a kid, I was bullied as a child, and so I would also feel like the, the anger and frustration and then I would witness my father, um, how he would hold his anger. And it was almost like it sometimes became like a boiling teapot. And it would boil inside of him. And then all of a sudden, it would explode. And it would hurt others. It would, it would scare the family. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. And then I noticed how I would do the same thing. You know, I would build it up. And all of a sudden, like a boiling teapot, it would explode. And I would have fight with other kids. And... I just was like very clear as a child to say that anger is dangerous and bad. And yet I knew that inside I still was very angry. And, and so what happened was is then I turned that anger within myself and I would be very cruel to myself. And I would be depressed too because I wasn't allowing myself to feel sadness. As I grew older, I turned to drugs and alcohol in order to try to suppress the pain. Um, to try to run away from those emotions. And uh, it just became more more challenging. And I was like, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to 
do some sort of an exercise, and I was like, okay, I'm going to try yoga. And then when I went to a yoga class, all of that unresolved sadness and anger that I had been trying to avoid all just kind of caught up to me in the space <laughs> of a yoga mat. And instead of running away from it, I decided to be with it, and I decided to move with it. And I had this really powerful release in the class, and I thought to myself, oh, it brought me to a place of deep peace at the end that I was just so seeking. And so what I decided to do was I was like, okay, I'm going to go deeper into this and I'm going to become a teacher. One of the things I was drawn to as, as a teacher and as a student was how we would create intentions for class. And I thought to myself, you know, what if I created an entire class with the intention of how you can move with grief? Because I feel like, you know, so I was like, you know, let's teach what I need to learn. And so as I, as I became and learned many different areas of yoga and became a teacher in both hatha yoga, uh, kundalini yoga, vinyasa, uh, restorative yoga, uh, laughter yoga, I, I was also learning from many grief and loss experts. And I really started to apply specific movements that had the intention and theme of specific areas of grief, like this is a move that we're gonna do to help to move the anger through, or this is a move that helps us to release the regrets. And one of the things that I was very in tuned with too was that I, I didn't want to create a physical practice that was about physical flexibility, like trying to put yourself into a pretzel, <laughs> but it was more about emotional liberation. I recognized how when you don't feel the feelings fully, it gets stuck in your body. The body remembers pain and trauma. And the heart of what yoga is about is a place of compassion, and I think that that's really our doorway into moving into healing with our grief. And it makes so much sense that, you know, as a child growing up in this environment that said sadness is disrespectful to our spiritual beliefs, anger is disrespectful. I'm curious what emotions were left, like which ones were going to be okay in the eyes of your family and your church? <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> what are the emotions that were appropriate were happiness and being grateful and, and living a life of purpose through God. Those were appropriate emotions. But, you know, I would even share with my, my, my mom and my dad, I'm like, well, you know, but Jesus wept, you know, and Jesus got angry. It's like, I, it was just challenging for me to be like, why am I denying this part of who I am? And I, I think it's really because I think as adults, we judge specific emotions. And we feel like certain emotions are inappropriate, sadness or anger, and they're all part of the human experience. And I recognized for myself that when I allowed myself the space to be sad, when I gave myself the space for the anger to move through, it actually made me happier too. It, it actually made me feel more peaceful because instead of like trying to restrict it, these emotions, they were just like waves that flowed through. And that's why it was also important for me to incorporate the body aspect of it. Because I think a lot of the times, and I'm just saying this for myself, I would get stuck in my head, especially in grief. You know, I would judge myself or beat myself up. 
Yeah, and it, it takes me into the another question I was thinking about of for you personally, what is different about being able to express those emotions, the ones that maybe have been socialized is not okay to have through physical movement versus maybe talking about it or other forms of creative expression? Uh, well, expression is really the key. And, and, you know, people express it in different ways. You know, expression can happen, you know, as you talk to a therapist and counselor. Um, expression can happen through drawing. I mean, I remember working with a counselor and I drew a picture of my heart. And the therapist was like, wow. He's like, you know, can you... But my heart was very cracked as I was drawing it. And he's like, can you be very specific on all of these places where your heart is broken? And let's identify them. So there was that sense of art therapy and expression of that that really helped me. But grief for me needs movement because for so long I was stuck in it. And so in order for it to happen, it required for me to move. And so that's what resonated the most for me. But I also know that, that you know, for me, when I was creating this, that in that movement, I really wanted to keep it universal for people who have never done yoga. Or I remember after my first training, um, teacher training, I actually broke my hand that at the time I thought was a horrible thing, but in the long run, it ended up to see, serve a, a greater purpose because it gave me a deeper compassion for other people with their physical limitations. And so I, I, it was very important for me to design this practice to, whether it's you're feeling broken physically or emotionally or whatever it is, it's like there is a way to find your own movement with it. Yeah, whatever your physical capacity is in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In reading through some of your blog posts that you have on your website, which are very informative, thank you for putting those in the world. You talked a little bit about kind of how you were shaped and formed by gender expectations. Sure. And recognizing, you know, gender so much more than just that the binary and things are not just for boys or for girls. But people end up being socialized a lot with certain gender expectations. What were those expectations for you, and how did they influence your sense of permission to express or not express grief and, and other emotions? And how, how have you shifted those for yourself? For, for a boy growing up in Texas, sadness was a sign of weakness. Other kids would make fun of it. And so it was important as a boy and as I started to become a man, it's like, don't, don't show that part of who you are. Um, and now I'm at such a clear space where it actually is that showing that vulnerability is actually a place of strength. It takes courage. I have a girlfriend of mine too, who she's, you know, as, as she's taken this practice, she said, one of the most, one of the challenging areas for me in the class sometimes is the part of releasing anger. I was always taught that girls aren't supposed to be angry. That's, that's inappropriate. And so for her, she was like, it's just sometimes it's very hard for me to express that anger. But she goes, but I feel it so much inside of myself. When I work with people in my class, what I'll sometimes do if it's challenging for them to tackle anger is I have them go into, what are you afraid of? 
because the fear sometimes cannot really be the source of what the anger is about anyway. But underneath it all, you need to be strong and courageous to say, I recognize this, this emotion is challenging for me to feel and to be with and to show others. And so I recognize that maybe I need to do a little work here. And how can I lean into this um, with a little more kindness and compassion? It's one of the things that makes me really grateful for, you know, the Daggy Center when we walk around our circle room where all of our expression places are. And there's rooms like the volcano room that have pillows and bears that you can throw and foosball where you can whack the ball really hard <laughs> and uh, outside area for really big energy play. And this is not across the board again, because, you know, gender is so much more than just the binary. But I see kids come into group and see them at the first couple of times they're here sort of get tracked into certain places. Sure. And over time, I see them start to branch out and try some different things. And there might be a kiddo who at first is really, I don't know about that volcano room place. Like that (laughs) seems a little intimidating, but they'll go into our splatter paint room where you can put paint in a cup and you dip your brush in it and you can like huck that paint super hard against the wall, the paper that's hanging up. And I think, oh, it's a, it's an interesting way to be able to express that emotion that maybe fits more within the socialized category they might be into. But then a couple of groups later, suddenly they're in the volcano right. <laughs> yelling at the top of their lungs and hucking bears as well. So I'm really grateful for watching kids sort of demonstrate the way to be really flexible in the expression of those emotions and to feel like they have permission to access those emotions regardless of what the gender expectations are. I am so impressed with the space here at the Dougie Center to allow the the child to really recognize what is it that would serve them. You know, when I was walking around and looking at the rooms, the room that I probably would have gone to as a child was actually the the theater room <laughs> and uh, and all of the costumes that were there. And I recognized how that was actually a part of me as a child doing that because. I thought if I put on this character, then I can be something different than who I am and I can be witnessed and seen while I'm playing some particular role and I can express the anger and the sadness, but it's not really me. It's just a character, so I thought. So don't hold me accountable for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In a grief yoga class, one of the pivotal parts of the class is, is it's a section called expression. It's a four-step process that I do in, in a grief yoga class. The first step is about awareness, awareness of the present moment and awareness of what am I feeling right now and where is it in my body, and then starting to warm the body up. But then the second part of the class, and this is the really powerful part, is is all expression, using movement, breath, and sound to help to take whatever is suppressed and instead to treat it as fuel and allow it to move through that can cause for great transformation, which then the third part of the class then is about connection. Connection happens in three different ways. Connection can happen within yourself. Connection happens within another person. And and spiritual connection is the third one. In my class, what I try to do is, is, is how can you connect more to grace or gratitude or love? And so that's the cycle that I do. And then the final step is about surrender. It's letting go, not letting go of the love, but maybe letting go of the pain and, and just kind of surrendering into a place of peace. So aware, awareness, expression, connection, connection and, and surrender. surrender. That's right. Changing 
backtracks a little. Yeah. You've also written about, and you mentioned earlier in our conversation about turning to drugs and alcohol as a way to sort of up the capacity to suppress the emotion (laughs) as Mm -hmm. it was sort of overcoming your existing mechanism. How has the process of, of, of moving into a place of sobriety, how's that really shifted things for you? I have been sober now for, it's probably been about seven to eight years. And one of the things, as I started to develop grief yoga, I recognized how I was using drugs in order to to drown out the grief or the anger. And I was like, look, if you're really going to be authentic teaching this, you got to do some of the work here, you know, and you've got to like, you've got to let this crutch go. And so what happened for me then was there was so much shame that was associated with it and so much like pain and hurt that I had to like really be with and I had to move with it. What it has guided me towards is a deeper sense of clarity. You know, I think it helps me to just be more with the wounded part of myself and instead of trying to numb it out or to try to avoid it it's about trying to like embracing it almost as if it's like sometimes when I'm feeling like oh gosh I would love to just escape from this it's recognizing oh there's a there's a hurt child within me right now who's feeling who's in pain how can I comfort that child what does that child need here Gosh, it's like it's such a it's such a personal thing and to be able to like help move people through who are in recovery right now it's it's such an important thing and and I I uh, to be truthful I never thought I was going to I was even told I was I, I kept trying to like break the drugs and alcohol for so long and I remember someone telling me you know there's some dragons you won't be able to defeat in this life and I just it just devastated me because I was like, oh my gosh, is this really what's going to happen? And I had a, a, such a sense of frustration about feeling like I was powerless up from this substance because I wanted to be like, oh, I'm no, I'm powerful, I'm stronger than this, but I would always turn back to it because I couldn't handle emotionally what I was going through. And so what helped me was going to 12-step meetings and seeing how other people were also struggling it helped me to 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 do the 12 steps and to to share within a group space all of this suppressed stuff and and see how i wasn't alone it allowed me to learn how to connect with others who were also struggling and instead of like being alone in my pain to know that i can connect with others to know that this life being clear and sober is a much better life for me paul as you were talking i was thinking about the idea that the movement practice that you have and the sound practice that you have and the expressive practice that you have almost building like a scaffolding for you as you take away the numbing substance and the feeling comes up what do I do with this I turn back to my scaffolding I turn back to my scaffolding yeah and and you come back to how can I be with what I'm going through right now, and how can I find a way to express it? If someone's not in the mood to like to move, another way to express it too is is about just even writing a letter. My sister 
died a, a few years ago, and I miss her every day. And my dog died right around that same time too. And I, 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 I think about them constantly. And in some ways, there's a part of me that wants to live a life that honors them. Sometimes I'll write a letter saying just if I need to express anything. One of the things that I even do within a grief yoga class is what's called a dance prayer. And I'll play a song and I'll say, I devote this this song to you and I'll move in whatever way that I need to and I'll play whatever song that I need to. But it's a place of devotion towards them that helps me to express and it actually helps me to connect with them in a way. Yeah, such an interweaving of expression for you and moving that grief out of where it is in your body, but then also still honoring the people and the animals that you're grieving. Right, yeah. And it's interesting too, when I was going through um, a time, you know, where my sister was was getting ready to pass, and it was so challenging for me, for because um, she was my best friend, you know, especially as a child, and and to, I was her big brother, and I felt like you know I needed to be there to help her, and and I could just see her body was falling apart, and at the same time, it was like my dog, who was sixteen years old was also starting to fall apart. And I'm like, you know, I, all these people that I care about and love, they're all, I don't know what to do. And it, it weighed so heavy on me too. I was also having a hard time crying about it because I just was like, it's all so overwhelming. And it's interesting how at the time too, I was also doing laughter yoga training too because I knew how sometimes it's a fine line between laughter and tears. And I would see how sometimes I would do laughter exercises and it would help me to cry and so what I decided to do in that place was I was like you know what to help me right now I'm gonna laugh about the upcoming loss of these people I love dearly my sister and I'm gonna laugh how my my dog's gonna die and when I did that I immediately broke into tears because the laughter was a channel to help me to release it and I would have this moment where I was like, okay, thank you. I, that's just what I needed. I needed to move that through to where then I could go and be fully present with my sister, with my dog, because I had taken care of what I needed. That's just another tool that I bring into a grief yoga class is, is laughter exercises in yoga because I also know this, my sister or my dog or you know people who I've loved who have died, they would want me to be happy. And so just as important as it is to express the grief or to express the anger, I also do bring in laughter because it actually, it, it does lift our spirit too. And it, there's so many benefits that happen both within the mind and body that it's also important for us to tap into happiness too and joy. You're helping me feel so justified in the amount of time I spend watching uh, videos of raccoons doing silly things because they totally make me laugh. I love that. <laughs> Excellent. I, I, I particularly love animal videos and dog videos and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, good. I keep watching those raccoons. They're just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm also picturing some folks out there who might be listening, who are like, oh, my approach so far has been like, yowch, this is really painful, grief, whatever the feeling is associated with that grief. I'm going to like 
shove that aside. So this sounds really um, interesting and also like an Olympic event to start to let it into my awareness and move it through my body. And I also think about other things that could stand in the way of someone feeling like yoga as a way to express my grief is accessible to me. It could be the way I was raised, my spiritual religious beliefs say this is not a good thing to do, or I have these physical limitations. I can't move my body in that way, or I don't have the money for this type of practice. What suggestions would you have for people who are maybe brand new to the idea of allowing the emotion in and then using a movement or a sound or a breath practice as a way to express it? Great question. If the feelings of grief are a little intimidating, you're like, I'm not really sure if I'm ready to go there, know that that it will be there for you whenever you're ready. It's just going to like, you'll put it in your box and you're going to kind of store it over on your shelf and you're like, I can't deal with that now. But I also know that if you actually create space and time to just say, I'm going to devote a little time for this, it actually... Um, will bring more happiness and joy and peace. So finding a movement practice that resonates with you is the most important thing. Now, here's the thing. I turned to yoga. It was the thing that spoke to me. But for somebody who's like, yeah, I'm not so sure about yoga, find something that helps you. You know, it could be like walking out in nature, um, putting on a song and dancing and finding your own expression. And the dance could be something that can be, you know, intense and to, to move anger through or stress through, or it could be just a, a, a moment of love and devotion from your heart that can be, you know, a short period of time. It could be three to four minutes depending upon the song. I also know of people who have like, you know, sometimes their movement practice is kickboxing because it helps them to get out aggression and stuff too. With me, what I designed with this practice and look, I'm just creating a class that I would want to take that again, it's, I, I have people who are in their eighties who have never done yoga before who will actually do this class. And they'll be like, wow, that, that was what I needed because what I'm designing it is, is actually to bring liberation, emotional liberation, or even the freedom for you to find what is the correct movement for you. Now, for if you're like, gosh, I don't have any money, then I offer free classes at griefyoga.com. In the at griefyoga.com, there is like a class that's a chair yoga class that I would suggest that you you take. It's like a 20 minute experience, and you can do it right in front of your computer. If you're a parent whose child has died, there's a class specifically for that too, that you're welcome to do. Or if you were like, well, let me just try little specific exercises, you know, at griefyoga.com. It's like there's specific things that says, here's an exercise to just help to kind of release, you know, some anxiety and tension. Try this out and see how you feel afterwards. So I have kind of an odd getting towards the end of our conversation question for you. I love it. <laughs> Bring it. Well, I'm thinking back to, you know, child Paul. Living yeah. in an environment where it's like, don't have these emotions. I'm imagining pride was definitely one of the ones that was not allowed sure. or not seen as acceptable. So given where you are now with multiple years of sobriety, with a movement practice, with carrying your own grief, what are you most proud of? Oh, 
That touches my heart. You said that. You know, it's important for us to think that. You know, I got to tell you too. I just turned fifty like a week ago, and I um, decided that I was going to list all of the things that I was proud of and that I accomplished within my forties. Because I was like, let me remember what went right. <laughs> and honestly, as I get closer to your age, like you have to write it down because you can't remember. <laughs> You're <gonna> forget it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, um, so I wrote out 50 things cause I was 50 that I was proud of. Um, you know, the, the major things that I think that really resonated that I'm proud of. Well, first off, I got to tell you, I'm proud that I, I was able to, to become sober. I mean, that was a big thing for me because I, again, I, I really was afraid that it was never going to be something that I was going to be able to do. And so I'm very proud of that. You know, I'm proud of, I face my fears every day, you know, and I put myself out there and, and, and the child Paul was afraid of being seen and was very insecure. And I still have that little boy inside of me that is like that. And yet I still recognize that. And I'm like, you know what, though, I'm courageous and I'm going to share what I need to share here. Another thing I'm really proud of is, is like to be able to like hold space for people who have gone through the most deepest losses that I, I it's hard for me to even imagine who've experienced such trauma and for me to be able to like go to where their pain is but to also say we're not going to stay there we're going to move it through but it's important for it to be acknowledged and then to not take on their pain um to not to to say that that's your pain and I've got my pain but I'm not going to take that on with me, um, but we're going to give it the space to move it through. Let me think of, you know, one more thing that I'm just, that I'm proud of is is that I just, I keep going and I'm choosing to, to these people who I have loved um, that have died in my life, that I'm going to honor their life and I'm going to create something that honors them. And uh, whether it's a movement experience or whatever that is, that I'm going to share how how much that they meant to me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that with me as I move forward. Thank you for asking me that. It's important for me to remember that myself. Well, thank you so much for putting yourself out there and coming on this podcast and sharing so deeply about your own experience and your process. Thank you. Yeah, it's meaningful for me to do this, and I really appreciate what you do here, and I appreciate the Dougie Center, and I, I, I wish that I had this as a child, and so I really honor what you're doing here. Thank you. And for listeners out there who now want to just be in your space <laughs> and do this work with you, what's the best way? For, you mentioned grief.com. It's uh, griefyoga.com. Go check it out there. Take the free class. If you're a yoga teacher or know of a yoga teacher who would like to learn this practice, um, I do teacher trainings with it with David Kessler. Or if you're just wanting to experience it, try the chair yoga class. It's 20 minutes and you'll it's amazing how what the shift you'll you'll have just going through it. So listeners, that's all. Make sure you reach out, griefyoga.com. I'll put it in the show notes. And Thank you again, Paul, for being part of the show. Thank you. And listeners out there, as always, thank you. We'd just be talking into the wilderness if you weren't out there (laughs) tuning in. So we're really grateful for you. Um, You've been emailing me. Thank you for doing that. 
do it some more. I'd love to hear from you. What shows do you like? Which episodes mean the most to you? What are we not talking about that you want to hear us talk about? Just anything. Send it our way. We'd love to hear from you. So you can reach me at help at Dougie.org. And if you want to learn more about the Dougie Center, if you feel drawn to supporting the show, you can find us at dougy.org forward slash grief out loud big blue button that says donate now you can click that if you'd like to contribute to the show thank you for listening and i hope you'll join us again next time